what we're gonna what we're gonna do this morning is we're gonna hope that my voice I brought my uh, my deeper manly voice this morning. Yeah. Uh, and so we're gonna hope that it decides to stay for the entirety of the morning. And if at any point uh, I end up going into a coughing fit, I'm fine. Don't worry. It's okay. We'll get through it together. Uh, so we are, we are continuing this morning to talk about what it means to put off the old self and to put on the new self, as Paul instructs the Christians in Ephesus to do in Ephesians 4, that was just read for us by Kate. And, and so we're just going to recap last week and then jump into this week. Last week, we went through the entirety of Ephesians 4, 17 to 24, and we talked about how Paul exhorts uh, the Christians in Ephesus to no longer walk the way that the Gentiles walk. And what Paul means by that is no longer walk the way that you walked before you knew Christ. The manner of life in which we walked before we knew Christ was a big problem. And Paul describes what that manner was throughout Ephesians. He says back in Ephesians chapter 2 that we were walking dead in our trespasses and sins. We were literally dead men and dead women walking before we knew Christ. He says in Ephesians 4 that we were walking in the futility of our minds. And futility means vanity. It means having absolutely no purpose. It means walking aimlessly. And what Paul has in mind here is that our lives apart from Jesus Christ will never obtain what we were actually created to obtain. And so that is the very definition of walking in vanity. And then Paul says that our minds were darkened. We were walking with this darkened understanding. And the reason why we were walking with darkened understanding is because all of humanity has this root problem underneath everything. And that root problem, Paul says, is a hardness of heart. And because of that hardness of heart, it leads to a couple of different things. It leads to sensuality, which Paul describes as this kind of lack of moral restraint, right? And we talked about how you see that in our world all the time now. There's just this lack of moral restraint, like, don't put rules on me, don't put restraints on me, I will do and be whatever I want. And then the other thing that it leads to is impurity and just this craving for unclean things. And so Paul's saying, this is how you walked before you knew Christ, this is how all of Humanity walks apart from Christ. And why is that? Why do we walk that way? And it's because at birth, we were born into what Paul calls the old self. We were born into this corrupt being because we inherited Adam's sinfulness. And Paul describes it as being in Adam. Romans 5.12 says that death came into the world through one man. It came into the world through Adam and spread to all men. And in Adam, we have a, a disposition, we have a tendency towards sin that we cannot beat because we are enslaved to sin in Romans six seventeen, And being enslaved to sin, we had no ability to live upright lives. We had absolutely no ability to live godly lives. And this is why Paul says in Ephesians 2, 3, that we are children of wrath before we come to faith in Christ. That is the condition in which every single human being walks in apart from a relationship with Christ. And then about halfway through last week, I got to the good news because you were all feeling depressed. And I said, but some things happen to us at salvation. There are things that God does 
for us and to us at salvation that we have no part in. And specifically, there are four things that happen. First, we are regenerated or we are renewed, if you like that word better. We receive a new life. We become a new person. A new self is imparted to us. Jesus calls this being born again in John chapter 3. And that new self, which is in Christ, replaces the old self that was dead in Adam. And the second thing that happens is we are justified. Right? God declares, you are innocent before me. We are now righteous before him. And this is a legal term. We are acquitted of the crimes that we committed because Jesus Christ took those crimes on the cross. And now God looks at us, sees the blood of Christ, goes, you are righteous because of what my son did on your behalf. And then the third thing that happened is we are adopted. We are adopted into the family of God, and we go from being children of wrath to being children of God. And then the fourth thing that happens is God sanctifies us. He makes us holy. He sets us apart. And so I gave you this really quick way of remembering it. Regeneration means made new. Justification means made righteous. Adoption means made a child of God, and sanctification made holy. And all four of those things are done in the power of God. They are done to us at salvation. But as I said last week, the first three, they are done and done, right? Regeneration, justification, adoption, they are finished at salvation. But sanctification is a little bit different because it's not done. We are made holy. We are set apart. And it is an ongoing process that we must walk out for the entirety of our lives because we become more sanctified as we follow Jesus Christ. It is a progressive state of being throughout all of our time here on earth. And so for the ease of understanding, I kind of broke sanctification into three different parts. And the first part we looked at last week, stage one, is that we are sanctified at salvation. We can call this past sanctification. God does that. And how does God do that? Well, Paul says in Romans 6, 9 to 10, he says, we know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. And I said last week, this is so important, church. It's so important for us to grasp what Paul is saying there. He is saying, listen, Jesus did not only die for our sin, for our forgiveness and for our justification. Jesus also died to sin. And that is something that is completely different. And it is so important for a follower of Jesus to grasp what Jesus did there. God's word says our old self that was in Adam, that was corrupt, that was enslaved to sin, was crucified and died with Christ so that we go from being in Adam to in Christ. And the incredible thing is that if our old self has died, and our new self is in Christ, then if Jesus died to sin, that means that you and I are dead to sin as well. 
that's one of the ways that we have been set apart. We are dead to sin, and that is a unique position that only a follower of Jesus holds. Paul says in Romans 6, 6-7, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. And so as Jesus died to sin, we who live in him are dead to sin. And I used the illustration from Pastor Ray Dirksen last week where I said the way he describes it is death is the end of a relationship. It is not the end of existence. And so when we died in Adam and came alive in Christ, our relationship, it being our master and we being enslaved to it, ended with that old self that died. But sin is still alive. So it can no longer master us, but it still exists and it still has power. And so at salvation, that broken relationship happened between us and sin and we were given a new self and we were made holy, but sanctification is ongoing because sin still lives, meaning the fight against it remains. But now we are in Christ and we fight it from a place of victory and we can defeat it because of our new self. We have victory over sin in Jesus Christ. And so Ephesians 4, 17 to 24, that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, listen, you are a new person in Jesus. The old self is dead. God has renewed you and he has sanctified you, but you have to continue to do the work of sanctification with God. So you have to choose to put on that new self that you have in Christ. Paul's using this language of clothing to show that we have a responsibility in this. There's this ongoing necessity of continued sanctification that we have to walk out in which we partner with God in His power by our actions and decisions to continue to become more and more sanctified. And that is the heart of this entire series. I've been hammering it home every single week that there are things that are objectively true about you in Jesus Christ. But those things that are objectively true about you must be laid hold of by you through experience, through walking out your faith with Him. Right? Week one, Jesus is Lord. He is Lord positionally from the time of salvation. But we must grow in understanding what does it mean that Jesus is Lord as His Lordship grows in our life. Week two, Christ dwells in our heart objectively at salvation. But we have to experience that. We must be changed in our inner being to know the love of Christ in order to be filled with the fullness of God. And then last week, week three, we are a new creation in Jesus Christ, but we have to put that new self on and walk in it. And so the point is, you have been born again if you are in Christ. So put off the old self, the old way of walking, because it is completely in opposition to who you are now in Jesus Christ. Instead, put on the new self and walk in a manner worthy because that is who you are in Jesus. It is who you have been made to be. And Paul says in Ephesians 2.10, we are his workmanship 
created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so I want to continue looking at sanctification this morning, looking at what it means to put on that new self. We're going to be looking mainly at stage two of sanctification um, because that's the part that we have to partner with God in. That's the part that we're going to be walking out for the remainder of our days here. And so I just want to tie very quickly this entire topic back to the main goal of this series. Like, why are we talking about sanctification in a series about Jesus being Lord of everything? And it is because sanctification is the main process in which Jesus becomes more and more Lord of our lives. It is the process of surrendering more and more to him so that we become more and more like him. And so let's pray as we dig into looking at stage two this morning. Heavenly Father, we know that your word says that there are some incredible things that you have done for us at salvation. And Father, as we talk about sanctification this morning, Lord, I truly believe that if we can grasp the immensity of the transformation that happened at salvation, we would go from living kind of semi-victoriously in Christ to understanding, no, we have full victory in Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that you would work in our hearts today, that you would help us to see exactly what you have done for us at salvation and how we put that new self on to continue this fight with sin, a fight that we tackle from a place of victory. Help us this morning to see through the power of your Spirit, in Jesus' name. So we can call stage two of sanctification, we call it present and ongoing sanctification. Because it is the stage, as I said, that we're going to be in for the rest of our lives in Christ here on this earth. And, and as I've said before, before salvation, we were in Adam. We had this old self, which was corrupt. It was under the dominion of sin, and it was the power of sin that was working in us. The flies love me today. And, and this, this is the condition of every person that's apart from Jesus before they come to salvation. But everything changes when we come to faith in Jesus. Paul says in Romans 6.17, he says, But thanks be to God that you, who were once slaves to sin, have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. So you've gone from being slaves to sin to being obedient to the teachings of God. Well, how does that happen? Well, the reason for that change in you is because you were made new at salvation. We now have this new self that desires to obey God, and we did not have that before in the old self. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, therefore, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, 
the new has come. And as a new creation in Christ, it is no longer the power of sin that is working in us. It is now the power of God that is working in us. That is a massive change that happens at salvation. Second Peter, Peter says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So Peter's saying, listen, through God's divine power, we have been granted the things of life and godliness, and we receive these things by coming to know Him. Now, through His power, through His promises, we share in the divine nature. And what is the divine nature that Peter's talking about? Well, it's all of the changes, it's all of the transformations that happen at salvation that we walk in for the remainder of our life. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. We have the divine nature of Christ living in us. Now, now you may be wondering, why am I taking so much time to, to hammer this change home that happens at salvation? And it is because I desperately want you to grasp it. I desperately desire the Holy Spirit to empower you to truly understand what happened to you at salvation. Because I believe when you grasp that you have been transformed at salvation, it is transformative in how you live your life in Christ and how you battle against that ongoing reality of sin. Right? Because last week I, I, I shared a vision that God had given me as I was preparing. I was saying, you know, God gave me this vision of how so many Christians approach the battle against sin. Right? I saw this picture of a battlefield, and on the one side there's this open army with just ill-equipped weapons, and on the other side there's this great fortress with armaments and an army on the wall. And for some reason, as Christians, we think that we're the army out in the open with the horrible weapons that are trying to come against sin, that's trying to break down this fortification. It's like, no, God's like, turn it around. You're the army on the fortification with the great armaments, sins the horribly equipped army in the wilderness, and you're fighting from this place of power and victory, not from a place of weakness. And we have to get that in Jesus Christ so that we approach this battle the right way. We are the army fighting from a place of strength in Christ. And the reason why that is true is because we have a completely new nature in Jesus Christ. Now, I want to recognize that there are differing views on what I'm about to teach. And some are going to say it comes down to semantics. Maybe some of it does. But I also believe how you view who you are in Christ has a very real impact on how boldly and how confidently you live in Christ. 
And I am convinced how you view what happened at salvation to be one of those incredibly important things. See, there are two camps of belief sorry, regarding what happened at salvation. Both camps believe that we receive a new self in Christ. But one camp believes the new self is kind of an addition to the old self that we had before Christ. And now in Christ, we have these two natures warring against one another, which is why we have this ongoing struggle with sin. The other camp believes there is a complete transformation at salvation that we can only have one self, and it is the new self that is in Christ Jesus. And I will tell you this morning where I land. I land in the second camp. We are one self, and it is the new self in Christ Jesus. Because I believe that's how God's word portrays what happens at salvation. We don't just receive this additional nature. We are completely transformed into a new creation. This is how God's word speaks about what happens. I think it makes it clear. There aren't two natures. There's one. His word says the old has passed away. The old is crucified with Christ. It is dead. How then does it remain? A mentor of mine said this week, we are not spiritual schizophrenics. We are one person, and that one person is the person in Christ Jesus. John MacArthur, he says it this way. He says, salvation is not a matter of improvement or perfection of what has previously existed. It is total transformation. At the new birth, a person becomes a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. 2 Corinthians 5.17 It is not simply that he receives something new, but that he becomes someone new. The new nature is not added to the old nature, but replaces it. Biblical terminology then does not say that a Christian has two different natures. He has but one nature, the new nature in Jesus Christ. The old self dies and the new self lives. They do not coexist. And listen, some will argue this is a matter of semantics, but I believe it's not. I believe it's so deeply important to understand because when you understand you are not at war with your very self, your inner being. It's if, with who you are in Christ. You are fighting sin from a position of strength. You understand your war is with sin and the imperfection that remains, but we aren't battling our old nature with our new nature. And when you have the confidence and the conviction that your old self really is dead, then you put on the new self with this renewed vigor and this renewed understanding of who you are in Jesus Christ. Like Paul says throughout his letters, you know what he does? He says, 
You're no longer sinners. What does Paul say throughout his letters? You become saints. You go from sinners to saints who continue to struggle with sin. And so the important question to answer then is, if there aren't two selves at war within us, then why do we struggle with sin? Because we know it's still an issue. God's word is very clear, 1 John 1.8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We see a clear example of the struggle with sin that remains in what Paul writes in Romans chapter 7. But I also want us to see how Paul is classifying that struggle in Romans chapter 7. Let's read what Paul says from verse 15. He says, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me, that is, in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? There's a fascinating, fascinating verses here. Paul says, I have a desire to obey God's law. You did not have that desire to obey God's law before you came to salvation. That desire to obey God's law comes from the new self. That's what he says in Romans 6, 17. So he says, if I agree the law is good, but I go against it, then it's not I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. He's saying it's not myself, it's sin. For I know nothing good dwells in me, and then he tells us where it dwells. He says, that is in my flesh. I have the desire, but not the ability. Why? Because sin that dwells in me, in my flesh. Verse 22 to 23, he says, I delight in the law of God in my inner being. That's the new self. But I see in my members, in my flesh, in my body, this war waging against my mind. And mind there is this word un that translates better, understanding. And understanding comes from the inner being of a person. So Paul's like, why do I keep sinning? I have this desire to do what's right. I know what's right. But I keep failing. Why is that? It's because the new self is battling against our flesh, or as Paul says in Romans 8, 13, the deeds of the body. 
Let me show you through the, the Greek what Paul's saying. Romans 6, 6. This is what God did at salvation. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Now, Paul's saying we know our old self is crucified. It's dead. And that word self there is a word anthropos in Greek. Teachers, you know what that means. Person. Paul's saying my old person is dead. It is killed. It was crucified with Christ. That's what God did when he saved us. Now, this new person that I am battles sin that remains in our body, in our flesh. That's why Paul says in Galatians 5.24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, that's a different word. Flesh there is the word sarks. So Paul's using two different words here. So Paul's saying, listen, God crucified the person. That's what he did for you at sanctification, at salvation. Now we crucify the flesh. And that's the present and ongoing sanctification that we have to walk out. The tense of these verbs reveal this. Romans 6, 6 says, we, I, I was crucified. That's a passive voice that was done to us. And then in Galatians 5.24, I have crucified. That's an active voice, meaning I did it. God did it. He killed the person. He killed the old person. We've been given a new person. Now we crucify the flesh. Paul says in Galatians 5.13, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Let me try to illustrate this for you. Um, when we begin to drive a car, some of you have teens that are learning to drive. It's scary. When you are learning to drive, you have to pay attention to everything. Like you, you have to pay attention to all aspects of what you're doing. And then over time, driving becomes a habit. Right? Like I think after a couple of years of driving, maybe beyond that, like how many people have driven from one spot to another and you get there and you go, wait, how'd I get here? <laughs> because Driving becomes this subconscious thing. We just do it. And this is the reality of sin. Sin gets ingrained in our flesh. Right? When we enter, when sin entered the world and we were born under sin, our old self's disposition that we had from birth, which was enslaved to sin, caused us to form sinful habits sinful patterns, sinful responses to things. This is why Paul says, I know what I ought to do, but I do something else. Because I'm at war with what's in my flesh. Right? And these sinful patterns, these sinful habits, they get ingrained in our flesh. We learn responses. We learn through processes and so on and so on. And we have so many influences in the world, whether it be books or movies, relationships, things that have happened in our family, 
friends, and so on, added on to the fact that sin is a real power in us when we are born. And we learn life apart from God. We learn life apart from His ways. We learn life as hostile people to God. And so our flesh gets ingrained with the ways of the world and these destructive, sinful behaviors. And then we are born again. God kills the old self, gives us a new self with new desires. Romans 7, 22, For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But our brain, our flesh, our responses, our beliefs only know the old ways. There's no magic reset on that. The flesh with all of its habits and all of its patterns remains. And this is what we have to fight against. This is what we have to crucify. Romans 8.13, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And this is what it means to put on your new nature. It's yours in Jesus Christ. You have to put it on. And this is the lifelong process of sanctification, bringing our flesh, bringing our body more and more in line with the new self that we have in Christ, in the power of God and by our own decisions and our own actions. So the way I kind of pictured it this week as I was talking through this with Kate is I pictured our, our, our new self kind of in a jail cell. We just have the walls of the cell and that new self is in there. And throughout life, that new self is just poking walls, poking holes in that wall, breaking through, breaking through, breaking through. And then we won't fully break through until we go to be with Jesus and the remainder of those walls that we've poked all the holes in just collapse all around us. And that new self is fully free in Christ. No longer with that sinful flesh, that sinful body. Jesus, or Jesus, Jesus, whoops, Kate. I think highly of my wife. Not that highly. That's dangerous, but like highly. <laughs> Kate had this visual, which I thought was great. She's like, it's kind of like the inner being. Anybody like Pac-Man? No, it's good. I really liked it. Anybody play Pac-Man? Yeah, Pac-Man. So it's like our inner being is Pac-Man. Right? It, it, the new self, it, like you're in control. You're going around. You're eating away at the flesh. Right? But then you have all these enemies, all these things coming at you. Right? These old responses and these old ingrained things in your mind. There's those like ghosts coming at you. And one of those is Satan and like the world and all that attacking you, but you yourself are in control. But you're fighting against these things. Church, I teach this because I think it is so important. I think there are people who are stuck in bondage because they, they, they can't recognize that you're not battling your old self. You're not a split person. Christ makes us whole. Christ makes us a new creation. And some of you just need to hear that this morning, that you're not this split person fighting against yourself. You are a whole person in Jesus Christ. And yes, you still have to battle with sin. You still have to battle against your flesh. You still have to battle against enemy. That is a very real thing. But you're not split. 
when we think we're split, like we're fighting already from this, this place of less victory. No, we are new in Christ. We have victory in Jesus. So we fight from that place. So along with Paul, I say, put it on. It's yours in Christ. Put it on. And fight in the power of Jesus. So that's stage two of sanctification. And then stage three, just really quickly, because it's beautiful. Stage three is future sanctification. There will come that day when that fight is no longer, when all things are made new upon the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, we're being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And God, who is working in us, sanctifying us, will sanctify us completely at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But until that day, we put on the new self and we fight this battle against sin because we've been made new in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you have done for us in salvation. And Lord, I pray that it would go really deep in hearts today. We are not split. We are made whole in Christ. Your word doesn't say that you've added on to. No, your word says you have crucified the old self. It is dead. It lives no longer. And we have a new self in Christ. Father, we thank you that you have done that work on our behalf, that we cannot do it. But Lord, what you have called us to is to put on that new self, to walk in the way that is worthy of the calling to which you've called us. And so Lord, I pray that we would understand that we can do that in Christ, that you call us to crucify the flesh, and because you have already crucified the person, we are able to do that. And so, Lord, I pray this truth goes deep. And through understanding this, that there would be some in here this morning that would have freedom for the first time, because they would understand the power that they have in Christ, the new person that they've been called to. I'm just in awe of what you do for us, Lord. I thank you for how you have made us new. I thank you that we are not the same, that we have new desires and we can now honor you with our lives. Lord, help us to do that. And when we fall short, when we give in to those sinful tendencies, we give in to those patterns and the ways of the world. We thank you that you are faithful and you forgive us. And it's not a legal forgiveness. That has already happened. It's a relational one. Help us, Holy Spirit, walk in the power that we have. Fill us afresh this morning. 
thank you for your presence. We thank you for the mighty work that you do in us. Help us to partner with you. In Jesus' name.